The following program contains views, ideas, and opinions that have been produced by the host DJ and their guests, and are not reflective of the views of WRFL or its underwriters. For questions, comments, or concerns, please email programming at wrfl.fm. Good evening, and welcome to Campus Voices, a show where we cover important topics going on in our community. I'm your host, Sarah Simon Patches, and today we will be covering the topic of mental health within the Black community. Mental health within the Black community is a topic that is far overlooked and severely underrepresented. The Black community has a tendency not to engage in the necessity of mental health due to the fact that it is not something that the community has been taught to take care of. According to Mental Health America, the Black and African American community makes up roughly around 13.4% of the U.S. population. And oddly, the number of people within the community that report having a mental illness is more than their population in the U.S., coming in at 16% or 7 million people. In Black communities, mental health issues are often compounded due to the psychological stress of systemic racism. Also, due to the fact that the care of a person's mental health is stigmatized within the Black community, according to the National Alliance on Mental Illness, only one in three people will receive the appropriate treatment. WRFL reporter Jasmine Webb reports more on the facts about mental health within the black community. A large factor that contributes to an African-American's mental health treatment is a distrust of medical professionals due to generational trauma. According to the Health and Human Services Office of Minority, the percentage of black Americans that are medically misdiagnosed is higher than their white counterparts. Black adults living below the poverty line are twice as likely to report serious psychological distress and report persistent feelings of hopelessness. Seeking mental help is also viewed as a weakness within the black community. According to the National Alliance on Mental Illness, 63% of African Americans hold true to this statement. This is due to the survivalist lifestyle that African Americans have become accustomed to due to the systematic oppression and chronic racism that they encounter through their lifetimes. The National Alliance on Mental Illness states that black adults living below the poverty line are more than twice as likely to report serious psychological distress than those living above it. They also state that black Americans are less likely to receive guideline consistent care, less frequently included in research, and more likely to use emergency rooms or primary care rather than mental health specialists. For WRFL, I'm Jasmine Webb. Lower income households are known to have less access to health care, which makes it hard for persons in the black community to seek help. According to the National Alliance on Mental Illness, 11.5% of black adults had no form of health insurance. Joining us today is Darden Dogan. She is a doctoral candidate in counseling psychology who works with Dr. Candace Horgans and Daniel Stevens Watkins. Jarden has made a great name for her brand on social media as a mental health advocate through her at Black Folks Therapy page. Thank you for being here with us tonight. Thank you for having me, Sarah. So in your opinion, what are some things that we as a community can do to help diminish the stigma around mental health? Yeah, I think Similar to what Jasmine said, in the Black community, it can be really easy to feel like you need to rely on yourself. And so what that looks like is maybe being a little bit more vulnerable and sharing when when you are experiencing mental health concerns, right? Um, because they don't discriminate, um, especially by race. And so a lot of us are experiencing anxiety, depression, race-related stress, especially in the current times and the socio-political climate that we're in. And so it's really important that we are aware of what we're feeling and that we share that with people that we feel really comfortable with. 
Is there any particular reason that you feel such a high percentage of people in the Black community struggle uh, with mental illness, even with all of the resources that there are today? Um, I think one of the reasons is because just intergenerationally from slavery and beyond, we've been taught to really be self-reliant and to be tough and to be superwoman and, and strong. Um, and so it, it can be considered a weakness to say, hey, I'm really struggling with this. But I think also during chattel slavery times to say, hey, I'm dealing with this mental health issue, right, when I'm being essentially treated inhumanely um, was also seen as a vulnerability. And so a lot of people can take advantage of that. Um, but then we also have a lot of stereotypes out there about black people, right? Um, so if you are using, you know, any kind of social services, if you are, you know, trying to rely on any kind of benefits, you're considered, you know, using the system and you're considered to be really not taking advantage of, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps is what we hear a lot. And so I think all of those confounding variables really make it difficult for, pe for people to want to reach out. Thank you so much. Last year, Mental Health America reported that African-Americans experience issues with mental health within lower income communities. This, along with systemic racism, oppression, and other socioeconomic factors, reduces the amount of information on effectively caring for your mental health. WRFL reporter LaShonda Shepard has more on the socioeconomic detriments affecting African-American mental health. In the Black community, it's often misunderstood what mental health is, and because it's not talked about, people think it's uncommon. The lack of understanding by many leads people to think that it's a personal weakness, which contributes to the stigma surrounding mental health. This results in many Black Americans not knowing the signs of the various mental health conditions, such as depression and bipolar disorder, which leads to the underestimation of the effects of mental health. To effectively treat or care for your mental health, it's important to seek help from a provider that's culturally competent in dealing with mental health in the Black community. Doing so will lead to less misdiagnosis and adequate treatment. Another way to add to mental health treatment is to find resources such as support groups and organizations. Some examples of resources that are designated to help Black people with their mental health are Black Emotional and Mental Health Collective, or BEAM. This group is aimed at removing the barriers that Black people experience getting access to or staying connected with emotional health care and healing. They do this through education, training, advocacy, and the creative arts. Another group is Black Mental Wellness. This organization provides access to evidence-based information and resources about mental health and behavioral health topics from a Black perspective, as well as training opportunities for students and professionals. For WRFL, I'm LaShonda Shepard. So as LaShonda just kind of briefly mentioned, she mentioned something about cultural competence in healthcare providers. In your opinion, what are some ways that health providers can reach that level and kind of relate more to their patients and open up that sense of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that seems to be a buzzword lately, right? Cultural competency, making sure that we are able to be humble um, and open to different cultures. And so I think that's a way that healthcare providers and just mental health professionals in general can really bridge the gap, right? And, and to make sure that we're reaching out to underserved populations is to have humility and to be open, right? So understanding that your culture may not be the only culture out there and your way of seeing the world and moving through the world and understanding the world um, may just be one way in which you can do that. But there are so many other ways. Um, and so being open and humble and being able to kind of take a seat back and listen and learn are really great ways that I think we all can become more culturally aware and more, more humble in general. 
How would you say, if anything, are there differences in what mental illness looks like in Black Americans versus white Americans or other types of cultures since it's such a like a cultural, I guess, setback um, in order to be vulnerable and to, to get to a place where you feel open enough to share? Does it look different in different types of people? Yes, it does. I firmly believe that um, even though anxiety, we know that's a thing, I think it manifests differently depending on your culture. Um, and so with Black Americans, sometimes that may look like we somaticize, meaning we may experience a lot of physical symptoms related to our anxiety. So I have clients showing up saying, you know, I have these really horrible migraines. Um, I'm experiencing a lot of tension in my body or um, I'm experiencing a lot of gastrointestinal problems and I just don't know what's going on. And so a lot of our work looks like really understanding what anxiety can look like and that it may not always be you kind of having a panic attack. It could be your body really trying to figure out how to get this stress out, right? Um, And so it can manifest differently. Um, That's not to say that there's one way that's better than the other. It's just that we have to be aware of how it can manifest differently based on cultures and also based on um, what we've come to understand is, you know, the best way to present with anxiety, right? Because if we know that Black Americans have a lot of vulnerable, struggle with vulnerability, then of course it's going to show up in our body versus us really saying like, hey, I'm struggling with anxiety. So if it manifests differently, what kind of different ways of thinking about, you know, treatment, yes, but also for yourself and trying to figure out how it manifests for you, what would you recommend in terms of, you know, maybe journaling or questions to ask yourself? Mm -hmm. So I think that just growing up in U.S. society, we we really tend to focus on our our cognition. So our thoughts We're really a lot of us are a lot of times in our head. Um, So what this may look like is you getting in touch with your body and your emotions. So a lot of my work looks like really breaking down what emotions are and being able to label them, identify them with clients, but also getting my clients up and moving, right? Moving that stress out of your body. So sometimes in session, me and my clients will dance. We will watch a funny video. We will, um, you know, practice meditation, mindfulness. We will do some, you know, things regarding progressive muscle relaxation. So it's really kind of getting folks out of their heads so that they can feel what's going on in their body. Um, Because a lot of times our mental health really shows up there first. Um, so really t- paying attention to, you know, what we feel in our body is probably going to be um, the best place to start. Would you be able to elaborate on like the intersection between being a member of the Black community and having a mental illness? Because there are so many other factors um, that white people don't have uh, when it comes to the system and how that can affect your mental health. Yeah, whew, that's such a loaded question, right? Because we all have different intersecting identities that play a role. Um, and so when you think about blackness and mental health, right, we're talking about stigma, we're talking about shame, we're talking about a lack of access and a lack of resources, we're talking about a lack of education about what mental health looks like. But then I think earlier, you know, there were, there were conversations about poverty and adding that to it, right? So you may know that you're experiencing trauma and mental health issues, but you may not have access to getting treatment. Um, or if you do receive treatment, you may experience even more shame um, because you don't have the money to really support yourself or you don't have the insurance. And so I think that depending on your identities and how you show up and how you move through the world just compounds onto mental health concerns. Right. And they may also exacerbate some of the problems that you may see showing up for you. So I hope that answers your question. Yes, it did. Thank you very much. I'm learning a lot as we're talking right now. <laughs> 
So we'll just kind of switch gears a little bit. Um, so according to the National Alliance of Mental Illness, many Black Americans depend on their religious beliefs to get them through their mental health issues rather than seeking a medical diagnosis. Faith and spirituality are sources of support and strength for many, especially within the Black community. WRFL reporter Jasmine Webb reports on these issues within the Black community. Religion and Health and African Americans and How Religion is Used to Cope with Mental Illness, published by the American Journal of Health Behavior, has shown that most African Americans turn to their faith and spirituality instead of seeking treatment for their mental health because their beliefs are supposed to fix them. These issues are experienced throughout many black Americans. I spoke with Cameron Galloway, a student who is currently in counseling for depression, reflects on his experiences with issues regarding religion and mental health within the black community. I feel um, as if a problem within the black community um, in regards to them relying heavily on religion more than a therapist. He discusses on how the black community's dependence on faith and God can be a detriment to their mental health overall. I feel like a lot of them feel as if God can handle a lot of that different stuff and if they just talk to God, it automatically can be healed or just in a sense in that way instead of actually going to somebody um, actually in person, then they don't have to become vulnerable with anybody that's on this earth um, in a sense. He also discussed the issues the community faces with strength and pride with regards to protecting their mental health. And they're able to still keep their pride and ego. Um, especially in regards to men on this earth because they don't always want to be vulnerable. So therefore, just speaking to God about it allows them to still kind of be open with some a figure more or less than a person um, that can judge them. He said that he believes that it is unknown when the black community will wake up to the issues relating to mental health and religion. For WRFL, I'm Jasmine Webb. So... Are there any issues with thinking that religion is the sole treatment for mental illness? I wouldn't say there are issues. Um, I would say that it, it can become problematic when we think that one coping strategy will solve all of our problems. And so I think for a lot of Black Americans, spirituality has been a lot of the ways in which we've coped, right? From child slavery and beyond spirituality, um, we're just a spiritual group of people, right? Um, but I think that it can become problematic when that's the only way that we've learned to cope with the stressors of the world. So when people say, oh, you can go to church and pray and, you know, believe in God, but you can also see a therapist, you can do both of those things. And that just creates even more of a space for you to get the best treatment that you can get. Um, so I think that's when it can become problematic is when we're only reliant on one coping strategy to fulfill all of our issues. Do you think that it would be effective for the community as a whole if churches or places of worship were to encourage uh, seeking help in not only that community, but uh, in the mental health community as well? Yeah, um, so I'm actually a preacher's kid. Um, so I grew up in the church. All my family are members of the church and leaders of the church. And so I, I would say that the church is very much like a cornerstone, a beacon of the community. And so a lot of folks are encouraging mental health services and also hiring therapists, you know, on the leadership boards to make sure that people are getting the care that they need. Um, but I think also, you know, there is still a lot of stigma and just generation generationally, you know, thinking about my grandmother and things. She's probably not going to go see a therapist, um, but, you know, younger generations were more open to it. And so I think that churches are kind of catching on to the fact that, you know, spirituality and therapy can go together. You mentioned generational um, factors a little bit. So let's kind of dive into that a little bit more. 
so although religion has a large role in the effects of the mental health of Black Americans, generational oppression is also a factor. The Journal, journal of Multicultural Counseling and Development wrote about how historical trauma can continue to impact Black Americans into adulthood. WRFL reporter LaShonda Shepard has more. According to Complex PTSD, a syndrome in survivors of prolonged and repeated trauma, historical trauma is an example of intergenerational trauma. It's caused by events that target a group of people. This means that even family members who have not directly experienced the trauma can feel the effects of the, gen of the event generations later. Another issue which exists within the Black community is post-traumatic slave syndrome, which was studied by Kristen Williams Washington and Chimiko Mills. They describe this notion as a cumulative emotional and psychological wounding over a lifespan and across generations. People in Black communities live in areas where growing up, they see some form of violence or they have lived through the traumatic event, which causes a disruption in their neurodevelopment. For example, there are Black people that by the age of 10, they would have witnessed or been affected by a murder, drug addiction, domestic violence, or alcoholism. For WRFL, I'm LaShonda Shepard. So LaShonda touched on it a little bit, but how do you believe that generational oppression plays a factor into the mental health of Black Americans? Mm -hmm. So I think there, it can play a lot of different roles, right? So biologically, a lot of studies have shown that um, your trauma can be passed down in your genes um, when we talk about epigenetics and things. And so, you know, sometimes you may be experiencing mental health concerns that your ancestors lived through but never spoke about. Um, and so that's why oftentimes when I work with families, we talk about secrets and we talk about what are some things that your ancestors may have went through that you didn't understand or that you didn't know that you may be living now, right? And so kind of closing those generational doors if that causes a lot of issues. But I think also what we've learned just intergenerationally is that we don't need to be vulnerable, right? There's That shows weakness. Um, we've also shown that, you know, we need to be strong and just kind of tough it out and have this mental wherewithal, um, regardless of whatever we go through, even if it's super traumatic, even if it's really hindering us and our ability to connect with other people, we've just learned to kind of tough it out. And so I think in addition to what our bodies are experiencing genetically, I think also mentally we've learned um, you know, coping strategies. And so some coping strategies are good and are helpful for our survival, but then there are other coping strategies that you recognize we're not in chattel slavery anymore, even though sometimes it can feel like it. Um, so those coping strategies may not necessarily be the most helpful in the moment, right? Um, so for an example, um, I talk about compartmentalization. This is where you really kind of put yourself in boxes and you kind of you know, I call it a file cabinet where you have something going on and you put it in your file cabinet. And you don't pull it out until you need to. Well, our ancestors, that was helpful, right? Because if you're going through slavery and you got to get your work done, you have to compartmentalize. But now that we have a little bit more freedom, compartmentalization can really hinder us from being connected, being present, and also just dealing with our mental health concerns if we're always keeping it in the file cabinet. So now that we've kind of heard all of these factors and we've kind of dived into a couple of different things, obviously only a few out of many, but we'll kind of revisit the first question that I asked, which is what are some things that you believe that the community as a whole can do to kind of help solve this issue? Since it's a generational thing, it's a stereotypical thing, all these things play a role. Is there anything that the community as a whole can do to make it I don't know, easier, better, more accessible uh, to talk about mental health? Yeah. So there's a thing that we call um, 
we call them collective circles. And so this looks like a support group, but essentially it's you getting together with people that you trust and that you love to support each other through mental health concerns, right? And so this actually happens at church. This happens, you know, in the community, but really getting a place where you recognize that you're not alone in this, because I think that's the the detriment of, of invulnerability is that you feel like you're the only one struggling with this, right? But if you get together with three or four friends and y'all just kind of chop it up and have a conversation that's really authentic and honest, you'll recognize that we're all struggling, especially in COVID. So that's one way that we can really make a difference is, you know, kind of setting up these meetings um, and keeping them going and being consistent with them so that we can destigmatize mental health. But I think also social media has a lot of power and especially because everything is virtual with COVID. I mean, we're talking virtually right now, right? <laughs> so finding ways to kind of connect the people virtually, building virtual mental health communities. Um, like you mentioned, I have a Black folks therapy page and that was kind of a COVID baby. I just started it in April and I was like, I have all this knowledge, what am I gonna do with it? And so creating your own page, maybe you, you're not a psychologist, maybe you can be a mental health advocate and talk about your experiences, but I think what's really gonna make a difference is when we start to normalize mental health and see it just as important as our physical health, as our emotional health, as our financial health, our spiritual health, it's just equally as important. Well, thank you, Jordan, for joining us this evening. I've really appreciated this conversation. I've learned a lot. Um, to our listeners, thank you for joining us as well. And we hope that the comments that were presented from our expert help to clear up any misconceptions or the stigma concerning mental health within the Black community. Join us next week as we discuss the maltreatment of Muslims. I'm Sarah Simon-Patches, and you're listening to WRFL 88.1 FM.